Alright, welcome back to another episode of Woody Banter. Your hosts, Nabil, Anika, and Daniel are here, and our special guest today is Hassan Shah. Hassan, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Very happy to be here. <laughs> Glad to have you. Um, so, how do we want to transition Wait, what about from us? us? You, you, you left us out. No, no, he did mention oh, he that did? We, oh, okay. we are here. Okay, okay. Are your headphones working? Sure. <laughs> no, we, I haven't been paying attention. We are here, and um, I guess for our viewers' sake, uh, the reason why we're so upbeat, we've had some bantering going on before behind yeah. the yeah. show, exactly. behind the scenes. Pay and... for premium to see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we are excited to have Hassan here today. Um, he's a well-traveled um, kind of creative person and um will as as we mentioned us and we'll let you take charge of what you would like to share with us bollywood about buff as well and a bollywood buff a movie buff um you know the range of all kinds of creative so you decide what you want, would like to share with us uh sure um yeah. how should we start <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I guess we can talk about how last week the four of us also met um, at a literary event where oh, right. a passage oh. of Anika Auntie's upcoming book was read, uh, and we all really, really enjoyed that, and have also been discussing certain parts of it throughout the week in preparation for today's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we can start with that, if you don't mind. Uh, let's do that. Um, so I, I know that even at the event and ever since, we've been talking about uh, a certain phrase from the passage that really stood out uh, to me and I guess to you guys as well, uh, which was this concept of a perfect prayer. Um, and instead of paraphrasing it, we have the author with us. So maybe you can give context to the listeners of, of how that well, the story is about a young girl who um, does not have parents, and um, she's she's hoping that having a family or having a home will give us a perfect life. And she's been advised that if she's going to pray, she should make sure that she follows the protocol for prayer, and only then will her prayer be heard. And um, so in that same context, um, in a slightly different angle, um, just the other day or yesterday, we were watching this um, brilliant movie um, called The Gate to Eternity. Mm-hmm. And so as we were, as Hassan brought up this concept of the perfect prayer, and I, I'm interested in thinking what, what was going through his mind when he thought of the perfect prayer, but what also engaged me with the movie that we were watching yesterday about Van Gogh uh, with his the idea of um, the gate to eternity and the concept of prayer in relation to foreverness or eternity. Um, so those were the two thoughts that were going through my mind as I was thinking of our conversation today. But I would like to get um, throw it back to Hassan and say, so Hassan, what were your thoughts about the perfect prayer? So I've been thinking about it throughout the week, um, Mm -hmm. and I think my thoughts have changed over the course of the week. I think um, the first couple of days I was thinking about it, I was thinking about the irony of it all, of how we are always told that um, the prayer is that one thing of religion that we have, and it's sacred, and it's, it's individual, and it's our own, and we can kind of use that to communicate with God in whatever way we want. It was just ironic seeing this concept of a perfect prayer, of how there's like a rubric you have to follow to get like an A plus mm. on this prayer concept. Um, so yeah, that was that was interesting to think about the irony of it all. But then kind of yesterday and, and maybe like a, a few days later, I was thinking of whether there actually is irony in it. Because with, with irony, there's kind of this assumption of that's how it just happened naturally. It was kind of coincidental. But then I was thinking maybe it's not ironic. Maybe it's more that um, and I know we said we wouldn't talk about religion, so cut me off. But the, no, 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 this is in the, con- and this is the context of literature. Exactly, mm. exactly. Because I'm pretending my book is yeah. literature. <laughs> of an honorary <laughs> author. So then I was just thinking that maybe um, this concept of the perfect prayer resonated with me because it's something that um, a lot of people, I think, can relate to and how we, we think that um, you know our prayer should be perfect. And maybe that's because the the context of the book was kind of how you have these people and then sometimes you can go to them because you think that they're more um religious than you are yeah. and their prayers will be heard and answered maybe the possibility of that happening is higher than the possibility of your prayer being answered so maybe there's this notion that 
we feel the need to have other people um, pray for us because our prayers won't be answered because maybe we're being judged too much. You know, maybe I thought that aspect was super interesting because I feel like there's parallels in religion and even like I'm sure in like company cultures of like idolizing one person where maybe yeah. they're the same. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're any. There's a bigger. power differential as well. It's yeah. kind of who has more power. And like, why yeah. does this person have power? And, <laughs> and esteem. Yeah. Uh, kind of, and people look up to them. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. But I think there's also a con, like a notion of insecurity involved, where you're just mm-hmm. so insecure about Yourself. your own stature in God's eyes, and you're like, oh, God must love that person more because he's a more devout religious person or more Muslim than I am, and so mm-hmm. I want him to pray for me because then maybe the prayer will be answered. It, yeah. What is the purpose of the, the prayer in this context? Uh, just pr- a prayer in this context. The concept is that. She she wants to achieve something. She wants something. And what is that? She wants a family and she wants belonging and she wants a home. Okay, so that's what one would pray for. And a, the perfect prayer would uh, have the, all those things. The, no, well, the perfect prayer, the, she needs to follow. Uh, <clears throat> and she's guided to follow certain ways as in any ri- ritualistic prayer. Hmm. You follow some kind of ritual of how things are done. But what I find interesting is that you're connecting it also to this concept of um, within the company setting or within the uh, community that we're in is that um, sometimes you have individuals who impose their power and other times we allow them and we Mm. encourage them to impose their power Mm -hmm. as human beings. What is it about us as individuals as human beings that we feel we belittle ourselves mm. to allow others to take on a greater power um Probably i mean uh, yeah go ahead like uh, the sense of like uh, not knowing wh- what the the right answer is mm-hmm. maybe it's that kind of ignorance can uh, make you feel weak and then you're looking you you kind of give another person power to because you're hoping that this person has the answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. That's my guess. Yeah, I also think that maybe even in the context of the way it was written in your book, mm-hmm. um, we're always told not to do this because it's wrong, but mm-hmm. then we still end up doing those things anyways, despite believing that that is wrong. So just as an example, like we're told alcohol is forbidden but mm-hmm. it's like oh shit i had a drink last weekend now god's not gonna listen to <laughs> so it's like now i need somebody else to pray for me because i or you know it could be any of those things it could be like you know oh shit i had sex last week so yeah. it's like whatever like i'm not saying you know it's just what, yeah. whatever is we're, we're given these lists of things that we're not supposed to do yes and a part of us believes that to our deep core where this is like these things are actually wrong i'm not going to do it well clearly mm-hmm. you're a true believer uh it's questionable <laughs> <laughs> it's debatable but then a part of us is also just like i'm still going to indulge in these activities and somehow or the other i find myself <clears throat> indulging in this forgive myself after <laughs> but then it's just like now i'm at the bottom of the totem pole of, of these like list of people who god is going to listen to you know so but it's... do we do that to ourselves uh do we allow that to happen to ourselves because we um, engage with that narrative that society or our culture or the group of people that we engage with has allowed us to control how we think. Have we chosen to be part of that story where we are at fault? And and we let the faults that others have identified be the true fault as opposed to, oh, I like that term, a true fault. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. True fault. The book. <laughs> Uh, that that is not really a fault. It's it's yeah. a artificial fault. I think uh, some of that is uh, you know humans of the past. You know obviously we religions have uh, come up because we're trying to seek uh, some sort of truth. Um, but then along with that are these rules that you have suggested, and maybe that's that's just um, some of those rules are what one group of people think. Uh, you know. They believe that that's how humans should uh, behave, but that's maybe one aspect of the the kind of bigger picture. And so, sometimes those things get attached, and then you yeah. change over time. Uh, but then there's still other aspects that maybe still uh, hold weight that can continue to to move forward. And actually, there are a few live questions here, so I'm going to go ahead and Ooh. read those here. 
Um, Tamur is asking, what is wild boar cane field? Well, I think there's a few words missing in there. <laughs> you wanted the question out so fast. But we do have the author sitting right here, so maybe you want to answer that Or one. is it a secret in the book? Uh, it is actually, the wild boar in the cane field is a metaphor, but it's also real. It's, it's a novel, and the wild boar in the cane field um, is something that the people in the village are scared of, um, but it is an unknown that they are scared of. The boar itself is like human beings caring for its young and caring for its family. Um, the boar itself would probably look at humans in the same way as the humans look at the boar. Um, so I don't know if Temur was asking a literal question or a fr- figurative question. Maybe he didn't even know what the book was. <laughs> but I have provided both. <laughs> and so for people who can't read the question, so that's the title of the book. That yes, is definitely the, yes. the title yeah. of the book. Thank you. Yes. And then we also have Munim Rana here. Does prayer also represent hope? Although that might have be, been in context with something we were talking about earlier because the question was but, asked But earlier. we can but, ask our guest <clears throat> if he would like to respond to yeah, that does question. Does prayer also represent hope? Sure. Um, I think prayers can represent different things for different people. And for some, I think it definitely represents hope. Um, if they have that faith that, uh, you know, hopefully I'll make a prayer and it can lead to... Um, I think for some, prayers can also just represent strength if they feel completely just helpless and in this very difficult situation. Um, then they feel that at least if I've said a prayer, I've done something on my part. So then maybe right. God or the universe can help me after I said this prayer and achieving what it is that I want to achieve. And I guess that's also hope. Uh, mm. Strength and hope, I guess, in those contexts kind of go hand in hand. That's but true. what do you guys believe? Well, I feel, um, and as I was going for my walk this afternoon and I was thinking about our discussion today and I thought, you know, we're all a group of well uh, adjusted, fairly well adjusted, depending on, you know, it's all relative, but fairly well adjusted adults um, living in a fairly well developed country um, in uh, the Bay Area, which is liberal and which has, you know, we live comfortable lives, basically. Mm. And... um, what happens when you are living a comfortable life and you are in good standing, you know, financially, physically and mentally and so on, is that sometimes you, one cannot anticipate the challenge of those who do not have all of that um, support or the, the comfort around them. And in those situations when the only hope is prayer sometimes and that is key to my book as well it's you know people live their lives in what they have around them and not everyone can leave the environment that they're in or not everyone is born into an environment that is necessarily provides a fulfilling um, uh, opportunities for fulfillment so the answer to the question for me is yes you know prayer is a way of creating hope and it probably stands out more for people who are more you know hopeless and not in in the word of hopeless meaning that they have no hope it's they have less hope than others mm-hmm. i would say it's like a yeah a little bit of that of kind of giving hope and also uh i guess giving more control because mm-hmm. uh, i saw or i read an article on like the comparisons between sports and religion and how well one it's obviously like team building and having a flag and representing you know who you are creating an identity uh but also having that joint sense of accomplishment when something good happens so i guess in sports your team wins you feel like you've won even though you didn't really contribute to the sense of accomplishment yeah Mm -hmm. and then maybe in religion it's like if something good happens as a community you felt that all your Mm. prayers have helped in some way so yeah yeah, I've never been much for prayer or meditation, but uh, I would imagine it's a good way to block out kind of everything else and then kind of focus like internally and try and, you know, answer questions that you have um, and try and <clears throat> reach some sort of peace of mind. Um, but I could imagine, so I've been kind of thinking about focus recently, like if I want to like do something, let's say my programming, and a lot of times I get distracted, I go on my phone, watch YouTube videos, um, and I try and think like how how is there a way I could just focus, not with like drinking coffee or something, but just mentally just like have some sort of switch that 
makes me more productive. Um, and now I'm, I'm steering the conversation into maybe a, an open question is, is are, do you guys have any um, thoughts on maybe prayer or meditation helps people focus or what are your guys' strategies to focus on something that, um, that you need to, to work on? I was wondering if I could bring this up again back to Hassan, okay. um, because you recently made a comment <coughs> that you were talking about, you know, you're very interested in and have always been a, a huge student of the creativity in movie making, mm. and you have written uh, some short stories that I had the opportunity to read, and and I don't know what you ended up doing with them, but you were able to capture the nuance of characters, uh, which are you know, similar to some of the characters that I have written in mm, my book. Mm, mm, mm. And um, so I, I know you've been teaching, and that's, I would argue, a very creative <laughs> way of expressing yourself. <laughs> I agree. Um, so you've got this whole range of creativity that you've been involved in. Uh, how do you stay focused? And, and now your current work, which is not teaching, and mm. I don't know a lot about it, but which of those four areas that I know about would mm. you like to address and talk about focus and creativity? Um, well, I definitely watch a lot of movies, which uh, has always kind of been um, my entry into this creative world. I remember uh, when we were all very young, um, you know, everyone else would be into like PlayStation and basketball and stuff, and I was like, "Oh, it's not my thing." I'd rather, I'd rather just watch a movie. Um, and I think you were a trailblazer. <laughs> I think over the years, even the range of movies that I've been watching has has expanded and gotten much broader. I mean, I was and I still am a huge, huge Bollywood fan. Um, but even even within the context of Bollywood, it went from being like I, I love these like mainstream, loud colorful movies with lots of songs and dances and then even the concept of music and dance was very creative in those movies um but then more recently there are movies uh in that come out of india and, and a couple out of pakistan as well that focus more on the lives and the stories of um characters that don't really make it uh in these big budget uh, mm -hmm. movies that you know appeal to the masses and everything um and then having even moved back to San Francisco area recently, I've, you know, been watching a lot of um, movies that are more uh, American or even British, but more independent. And they, they are very uh, focused on the stories um, and building the characters. And, you know, some of these some of these things are they're not even very plot driven. You know, sometimes I watch movies and people are like, oh, what was it about? Mm -hmm. um, and I struggle with answering that because sometimes it's just like you're just a fly on the wall following the lives of these characters and just watching um, their day-to-day -day motions and stuff um, and I realize that that's something that I appreciate doing because I've kind of gone back and forth between living in the Bay Area and Lahore and that's kind of what I was doing when I was in Pakistan whether it was when I was a student there in high school or more recently when I was teaching there um, and I just think that I was a lot more exposed to people when I was there as compared to here. I think over here it's very easy to get stuck in this, you know, nine to five and then you come back from work and you're very tired and you go to sleep just so you get energy to do the exact same thing the next day. Yeah. Unless you have a group of people who like to do some witty bantering. Exactly, which is, which is why I'm here. Thank um, you. <laughs> but no, I think I think in Pakistan it was, um, you're, you're definitely exposed to a lot more people inside the house even and outside the house. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my, my workspace there was very, very different than any workspace I've had here in the Bay Area. Um, and I don't know, I think just seeing things from different perspectives and, and being in a situation, sometimes even being in a room and just looking around and seeing that, you know, there's, there's a big event happening right in front of you, but all these people around you are, um, viewing it very, very differently. And it means many different things for them. Um, in Pakistan, that could even be like a big wedding, you know, I mean, you know, when you go to a wedding, it's it's this lavish event, lots of money is spent. It's all about like, you know, the jewelry and the makeup and the clothes and all that and the dances and all that. But then you also have people who have come to this wedding. Maybe it's the drivers or, you know, sometimes the nannies or domestic help. And it means something very, very different for them. Um, and so, yeah, that's something that I, that's always just struck me, kind of um, being sensitive to these things and cognizant of them. Um, and I also watch a lot of uh, interviews of 
uh, Bollywood celebrities. And so recently there was this one Bollywood director whose interview I was watching. Uh, her movie came out two weeks ago, Gully Boy, and it's a great, great movie. Also very about the creative field. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said the same thing that, you know, she she was actually saying that when she writes her movies, because she's also one of the writers of them, um, she doesn't like using characters as just a prop uh, in the frame. You know, like you could have a couch be a prop, but if you're going to have a character in the frame, she wants to flesh out his or her character uh, because everyone comes with stories and perspectives and, and you know, emotions and feelings. Um, so that's something that's always kind of um, called to me. And if, if, if and when I do write, um, I try to think about that instead of instead of just thinking about a creative plot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I might I might keep my plot very simple, but then I might say, okay, if I bring in the characters into this, um, what is the character arc going to look like? Uh, I don't want the character to just be one dimensional. What kind of layers can I add to the character? Um, but then you also have to have these layers connect to each other. You can't just give a character a certain characteristic just for the sake of, oh, look at me now. I'm a great writer. It has to make sense with... Uh, you know, holistically with what you're doing. It sounds yeah. similar to like um, two movies I think of, Get Out and then Black Klansman. Hmm. Have you seen both of those? I have seen both of those. So those both have, uh, would you say, like, um, they talk about the topic of race, but Get Out I feel is a bit more subtle, and as you were hmm. suggesting, like, it, not everything is fully fleshed out, and you can kind of, after watching it, analyze what you think about different things, whereas Black Klansman is very much like uh, just one direction, yeah. uh, and I think it it, it uh, becomes less interesting for that reason. Uh, right. But I also feel like the movies that you're talking about, it's not necessarily a plot where it's like build up, build up, build up, and then something happens. Is right. it more of like a movie where it's like the characters themselves are progressing, but like there's not necessarily a climactic moment in the movie? Right, right. Yeah, I think it's very subtle. I think there might even be, you know, a big climax and there might be a a big climactic moment, but it might be, um, you might miss it if you weren't able to just get inside the head or the psyche of the character, uh, which I think is so amazing because then when like each person watching this movie can have a different experience, like one person can watch the movie and just not relate to the character at all and be like, nothing happened in that movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody else might watch it, relate completely, feel like they understand the character and they're actually inside the shoes of this character and be like, wow, that was an experience. And, you know, that, that was an emotional roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that kind of experience where it's unique for everyone happens less when um, movies or books are more plot driven than character driven because then I feel like things are more spoon fed to you. Everyone can kind of talk about the movie or the book the same way. Um, I don't know if you guys agree, but that's just how I feel. Mm-hmm. So on that note, what... And I... really quick, Faisal yes. Shahid is here and he says, I'm going to watch Gully Boy tonight! Oh. Exclamation mark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if you're saying that just after listening no, to No, he watches it. a lot of Bollywood. Oh, it's yeah. absolutely phenomenal and you're going to love it. Uh, and you're going to want to be a rapper after. So just... A rapper? <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? It's actually about uh, how somebody in India becomes a rapper. Uh, wow. It's a very cathartic process. Yeah. He's not. He's not. <laughs> So, but what were you going to, you were going to I I was going to ask the question about, um, you know, you've talked about um, music and and dance and character. And is there, has there been a movie that was created which has all those elements that has fulfilled all those needs that you have Hmm. from a movie? Hmm. And or... um, do you think you would like to create that movie which has that combination of all of those key things? Um, those are great questions. So I actually just watched another Bollywood movie this morning. I watch a lot of movies. <laughs> um, it was called Son Chiria, And uh, it was very interesting because um, I think the use of music in Bollywood uh, and maybe even the use of dance in Bollywood is always something that's looked down upon and people just say like, that movie is so stupid, they randomly break out into song and dance, what's the mm-hmm. point, what's mm-hmm. that? Um, so Son Chidiya did not have any dances in it, but it did have music, and some of that was background music, and some of that was um, not background music, it was very much in the foreground. Um, and I actually loved that, because I think it just lifted up um, whatever was happening on screen. Um, I think the lyrics were very poetic, and they were very much in sync with what the characters were feeling, Um, And it just adds another layer to what's happening on screen. Um, It was a very emotional movie. Um, Again, I mean, these characters, 
they they have a lot they come with a lot of emotional baggage um and sometimes it's just interesting to take a pause and then just watch them and watch their expressions and watch their actions and what you're actually listening to is just music sometimes with no lyrics mm-hmm. and sometimes even just the music can move move you and i think that's such a great blend of creativity because otherwise music and film um, you would assume they don't go hand in hand. And yeah. then there's a poetry element in it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just think it really sometimes adds so much to scenes in movies. Like That's true. Audio cues in general uh, seem yeah. to like create an uh, environment. I was thinking of Dunkirk. Even though like the plot of the movie, example. you know yeah. that you know what happens. Yes, yes. It's like not... And even if, when you watch the movie, you think like, okay, well... And shout out yeah, to your favorite just keep actor losing. here as well. Oh yeah, Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the... I feel like they did a really good job at the using audio to mm-hmm. kind oh, of yes, create yes. emotion. Yeah. I also really There's liked Interstellar, like the the music, yeah. the soundtrack yeah. to that. Was right, like, right. Whoa. <laughs> no, but what's, what's so interesting is in all three of these examples, both of those and this Indian movie, mm-hmm. um, the filmmakers and, and the entire team that came together to make this movie, they're evoking emotions out of you and using so many different creative mediums, whether mm-hmm. sometimes it's the dialogue, mm-hmm. sometimes it's the way things are shot. I, all three of these movies were shot very aesthetic, aesthetically, <laughs> and that added a lot to how you view the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's also the music. Um, so and it's, it's interesting that all these things can come together, evoke emotions out of you in different ways. And then all three of these were like very emotional uh, experiences watching the movies, which, which I feel uh, with a lot of the movies I watch. That's true. So I was uh, on that same walk where I was reflecting on movies and such. such. Um, I was also wondering about how, whether it's literature or stories or movies, um, are a version of extreme, like extreme sports, kind of put you on the edge, but you know that you're still safe. Um, do the movies mm. that you watch also put you on and yes they have a cathartic moment mm. but it's also your your life is comfortable mm. and, and you're in a movie theater and mm. you know you're safe but you need that adrenaline rush of watching somebody mm-hmm. else not being safe or, yeah. or go through emotions or yeah my <laughs> my friend and I were recently talking about so we watched um, three of the movies that were nominated for best foreign film at the Oscars. It was Roma, Shoplifters, and Caper Nom. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I pronounced the last one correctly. Um, But with each of them, they were about um, individuals with a lot of struggles in life. And like you said, we're very privileged. And Mm -hmm. and the individuals in those movies were not. Um, And then again, you know, people ask you how you feel about these movies. And it's just so patronizing to be like, that was sad. Or, you know, that was depressing. Mm -hmm. uh, Because that was somebody's reality that was portrayed on screen. Mm Um, so that's something I actually struggle with a lot, where mm-hmm. it's even when I was watching these movies, I had the comfort of, you know, a nice seat and whatever snack I got and all that kind of stuff. And I knew that as soon as the movie's over, um, that shuts off for me and I can enter my life. But that that world still exists for the characters in the movie. Um, so I actually don't have an answer to your question. It's something mm-hmm. that I've been grappling with for a while. Um, but maybe there just is no answer. It's it's. It's, you know, these movies are made with the intention of um, telling stories and showing the perspectives and narratives of these characters for just a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and once that's done, um, you, yes, you can still process things and these characters stay with you for a while, but then you do enter, you know, your mm-hmm. own life. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess it um, depends if you're watching movies for entertainment or or your movies are a way to uh, get a message across to... Um, provoke some sort of action hmm. um hmm. i was so. gonna ask about so on the entertainment genre there's a subreddit specifically for bollywood realism hmm. and i was wondering i don't even know if you watch those kind of movies but like I, I wonder how that came up where these bollywood movies basically have these very extreme like weird unrealistic like action scenes <laughs> and so like they keep posting like oh, clips Pad- of those but has yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like very like over the top of guys like on jumping a helicopter off a... jumping off a oh, helicopter like, into an airplane it's actually like, very funny yeah it's like hilarious but <laughs> yeah, i'm wondering yeah. like was it just are these just like directors competing to make the more extreme 
you know scene or like is it just kind of entertaining i don't know i actually think it all comes down to dollars and cents there's a mm. huge audience for these kinds of movies in mm. india and the whole world and these movies are actually competing with each other to break box office records and stuff which is very unfortunate because okay. uh, most of them are extremely shitty yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to put it lightly we, uh, we do have one guess... of our viewers who's who's amused by your language <laughs> oh, oh two more i will say that that's that your moment. favorite word i think <laughs> oh shitty <laughs> in different we have, forms we have no sponsors so you can say whatever you want <laughs> i'm actually just trying to censor myself i consider that to be no i'll just throw that in there every now and then so they're like basically competing with each other to make a more entertaining i get i mean they, these are kinds of these movies entertain lots and lots of people worldwide mm-hmm. um i actually recently went to go watch one just like that it was called simba and it came out in december mm-hmm. and i watched it in santa clara in the bay area mm-hmm. um and there was the longest line I have ever seen for any movie wow. in my life. And yeah. I mean, I've watched all like the Lord of the Rings here and, you know, people get very excited for that. But mm. this, the line for Simba was just going insane. <laughs> um, India Waves is this news channel and they do like Saturday morning shows. Mm-hmm. So their uh, news reporters were there to interview the people and wow. people in line were doing the signature dance for Simba and then they were on TV and <laughs> and then the movie started and like some of the dialogues I couldn't I mean I also watched it opening days. So I don't know if people are like that, you know, after that, but <laughs> yeah. people are just hooting and cheering. <laughs> and like, it's, it's insane, it's out of control. But I, I absolutely just loved that experience. Oh, was, okay. Oh yeah, it was. It was comedy on screen, comedy live. So, do you think the directors, um, like, are they are they okay if people are wanting to watch this movie because it makes them laugh, or, and do they have the intention of this is supposed to be serious or something? And what are your thoughts on on that? So what I love now is um, there are a few Bollywood film critics who have a lot of following, like Anupama Chopra, Rajiv Masan. They have hundreds and thousands of followers on YouTube. So um, before any movie releases, they interview actors and directors. And some of the questions that they've been asking them now is things like, your movie was really misogynistic. What do you have to say about that? And oh, the man. directors just have to sit there awkwardly and, and answer. So, <laughs> so Simba, actually, Anupama Chopra called the director after the movie release. And she was like, I hate the way you portray women. Please explain to me what you were thinking. Oh, and wow. they, they've both of these critics have done this for movies, many, many movies in the past couple of years. And mm. they've even called actors and been like, you signed the movie of a director who made a very misogynistic movie last year. Please explain yourself. Oh, wow. uh, Jesus. So yeah, it's, it's um, whether these directors and actors actually care, I yeah. don't think so because their movies are minting money. Yeah. But at least in that moment when they're in that seat and this film critic and they know that this video is going to go on YouTube and get hundreds and thousands of views at least in that moment you could see it on on their face and i mean these critics are also asking actors like what makes you think you can charge more for a movie than a female actress mm-hmm. um and you're in that moment they're kind of sitting there like oh shit yeah. <laughs> I, I just i just love that look on their face yeah. um, so oh, wow. um i think i think directors and actors are starting to care about things like that a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, because they're being questioned about it much much more now than they were several years ago mm-hmm. um so hopefully that will also i mean bollywood well, movies yeah. now are even being questioned about like in the 90s you guys would show this hero who was just adamant about getting this girl that he was in love with and she mm-hmm. kept on saying no and he kept on going and they're just like this is encouraging you know mm-hmm. people stalking and stuff and yeah yeah, it's, it's... I also thought. Well, I guess there are parallels in in Hollywood too with uh, what is it, Transformers? Yeah. Like I remember why I watched. I think I watched the original one. I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of entertaining. And I watched another one. I was like, like what's going on here? But they ended up making like millions of dollars in the box office. I was yeah. Like, yeah, I guess that's all. That yeah, about. it's all just yeah. <laughs> Michael, just for big explosions. Michael said that huge audience is a jeet punch. <laughs> and then Faisal says the line for the movie at. URI at AMC Mercado was the longest line I've ever seen in my life a few months ago. Yuri? Yeah, which is oh, interesting Yuri. because Oops. AMC. <laughs> What'd you say? I said URI. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, AMC Mercado actually is it's an American film theater. It's, it's oh. AMC, oh, yeah. and so they play. Mm-hmm. They have like 20 screens, and it's supposed to be playing like mostly American movies. But yeah, the longest lines are always for Indian movies, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. I made a comment to, I forget what we were talking about, but I, I made a comment that said like, um, 
Well, once you once you like release your creative endeavor, your art piece, like mm-hmm. it's no longer yours anymore. It's now the yeah. and that kind of relates to what I was saying, where maybe some of these directors they intend for their movies to be a bit more serious for whatever reason they can't afford proper special effects, and then people kind of come intentionally to maybe laugh at these things. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, how you feel about your whatever you create, and then? The idea of once you put it out there, it kind of is no longer yours in a sense. I feel like that's the pretty much the plot of uh, the room, or I don't know if you've seen it. It's basically like the worst mo- disaster artist made. I've heard of it. Yeah. 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 It's basically like a really bad movie, like acting mm-hmm. wise. But the director Tommy Wiseau made it so that it would be serious and taken seriously. But it's just like laughably terrible uh, acting. It's become like a cult. And it's become, yeah, yeah. so it's become a cult and everyone like watches and memorizes the lines and goes Mm -hmm. to, you know, laugh and I guess be part of the the movie. But now the director is kind of flip-flopped because he initially wanted to be serious, but now he's joined in on the interpretation. Yeah, he's embraced (laughs) the meme of the movie, I guess. Um, But yeah, I don't know if there's any, like how... It would translate. Well, I would imagine. Um... I would imagine it'd be kind of hard as a creator. Yeah. As in, like, if you didn't have the intention of some sort of meaning that other people got out of it, you're. I can see it's easy to probably hold on and be like, no, like that's not what this means. But then. That's the fear of putting things out there, then, isn't it? Mm. Because you know that somebody will interpret it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be the language. It might be, you know, just lost in translation kind of thing whether it's cultural or whatever right uh so that i think is the fear sometimes of putting something out there mm-hmm. is that it will it will be interpreted in a different way and and that's why sometimes artists and people who are creative feel targeted because they if their creation is like their child they might take it personally or if it's part of themselves and I guess on the lighter note then then you shouldn't take yourself so seriously (laughs) how how does that affect the way you would would that affect the way you uh create self-censorship uh yeah I don't know just Mm. you know that like okay I might have some sort of intention here but I know people are going to take it a different way do you think that would would change the way somebody works if they still liked it I wouldn't mind like maybe if they interpreted like your book or my book, uh, if I ever had one, <laughs> uh, differently than how I intended, but like they still enjoyed the book, then yeah, I wouldn't mind. So kind of the, that movie that I was referring to yesterday uh, from The Gate to Eternity, Van Gogh's paintings were not appreciated by the people oh, of yeah. his time. Mm-hmm. And um, his brother still collected them and made sure he was an art dealer, but nobody really wanted those paintings. Mm-hmm. And... Um, at least in the movie, they keep showing how Van Gogh himself says that this is um, this is a gift that I have received and I am interpreting the world through my eyes and it's a different kind of interpretation, but no one else felt that it was a credible way to interpret the world and now, mm. of course, it is. Mm-hmm. And, and I think somewhere there's a, a line where he says, maybe this is not for this time, but it's for people mm. in the future. Um, so what was your question? <laughs> um, I think I was just throwing out, uh, the idea of someone interpreting your work differently. Like, but, would you feel offended if someone, oh, oh, would you, would you, uh, or... would you work differently? Would you do things differently if, uh, if you come in with the expectation that even if I say this is what I mean, it's going to come out differently. Yeah, but I guess it, it probably wouldn't. Let, let's say if someone like read your book and you interpreted or you had a theme and, yes, you know, yes. way, and then everyone loved the book for a different reason that you didn't even mm. think of, would you Or they cater... hated it for a reason that I had not thought <laughs> oh, yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, would you cater your next book to what people reacted to in but the I, first one or would you just kind of continue? I guess you wouldn't know, right? You didn't know the first time. What makes you think you're going to mm. like meet their expectations this time and actually why would you even want to meet people's expectations the whole point of being like a good creative uh, person is to you know blow people away oh well, i not, didn't expect that not meet their expectations but like cater to what they liked about right something, right, right? Mm-hmm. well that's that's the difference between cre- you know 
creating without considering your audience and just feeling that this is this is how you need to present the world as you're presenting it as opposed to the cookie cutter you know this is mm-hmm. i want people to engage with it but i i am impressed nabil a question like that coming from you who really does not care that much <laughs> about <laughs> about what about what, about other, what people? other people think oh, oh, yeah. Well. That, that, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, if you if you say this witty banter is a creative endeavor, yes. I don't uh, necessarily go through the comments or see how many views. Mm. I mean, we do do that sometimes. We but, do. Uh, yeah. But you don't uh, care uh, if you get. Right. I think it also has to do with a certain level of self-awareness. Like if you think that you are naturally talented and gifted in whatever you're doing, whether it's writing or filmmaking, uh, and you believe that, you know, you're good at it. Um, then even if somebody or a, a large uh, you know group of people didn't like the last thing you produced, it, it wouldn't um, stop you from producing again. I mean, oh, it shouldn't. Or it shouldn't. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or experimenting. Yeah. Unless you're short of money and you need to do something else <laughs> yeah. to, to pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think as long as there is talent involved. Um, I mean, because then on the flip side, right, there could be somebody who keeps on writing, keeps on writing, or keeps on making movies, and people are just like. Bro, you're not good. Like mm-hmm. M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. <laughs> That's <laughs> also he debatable. Have, he had six cents, which and was good. Unbreakable and Unbreakable and Splits. I I <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, one. that's true. He does have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, even if, yeah. even if he didn't have those movies, then... Yeah. Um, if there's no talent involved, I mean, that's also subjective. So I think. Yes, yeah. yes. And if it makes you content to produce what you're producing... Um, then then go for it um you have to be if you're creating that means you're not doing the same as you're doing something new mm-hmm. and so by definition you're doing something that is unique and you just have to try not to be so sensitive but most major creators are. artists are very <laughs> sensitive <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Uh, so I guess lesson to them is don't take yourself too seriously, so or I, don't look at it. I don't. <laughs> I don't remember what movie it was, but I heard that some movie had been shot uh, with just like an iPhone camera, mm. and with that and like YouTube. Have you ever considered like just experimenting with filmmaking, like just with your phone and kind of coming up with movies since you are interested in? in I movies? actually I'm much more interested in writing than I oh, am okay. in making films. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I, I, I like watching films and I like thinking about them. Mm. Uh, but when it comes to actually indulging in creative activities, I'm much more of a writer. Gotcha. Um, so what kind of film would you create then? Not to from the right from the writer's perspective. From the writer's perspective, if you were what 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 genre, what you know. So this this is a very hypothetical world in which I am That's incredibly fine. talented. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I recently read Norwegian, not recently, a year ago, I read Norwegian Wood by Haruki Murakami. And I don't know if it's possible to adapt that into a film that captures all the nuances of the characters. Um, But I just love that the characters were so human, like they had insecurities. And then he even captured this concept of mental health illnesses and conditions. And, um, you know, they were very, very multi-layered characters. Uh, I think, in my opinion, that might be easier to capture in a book. Mm. But uh, if so, I it's were contemporary. To... It's, it's very contemporary. There's okay. nothing unique about the setting. It just takes place in Japan. It's not like a dystopian society or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, those things don't really. I love watching them. I love mm-hmm. reading them. But mm-hmm. if I were to create something, that's not something that uh, excites me. I like things that are much more character driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I think, like, Masan was an excellent uh, Indian movie that came out a few years ago. I wish I could write something like that. That would be brilliant. Okay, you're, you're giving us a list of movies to watch, because I don't think <laughs> I've watched Then they're all on Netflix. Masan's on Netflix. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I was also thinking, when you're br- bringing up, like, interpreting a book and making mm-hmm. it into a movie, do you think that books are more likely to be misinterpreted than a movie because you have the visual and audio aspect of it? I think in a book it's, this is my opinion again, I think in a book it's easier to get inside the headspace of a character Mm. um, than it is in a movie. I mean, you you really can 
step inside the shoes of the character and walk around in them uh, easier, I think, mm-hmm. in a book. Um, there are movies that do that, but then in a... I feel like then those movies just get categorized as being like art house cinema or indie kind of films. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in a book, um, you don't really have those categories. Um, so, you know, people can, you know, those kinds of books, I feel, um, for whatever reason, are mm-hmm. more widely read than the analogous type of movies are watched. Would you argue that there is a latent, a greater, a higher latency reading a book than there is watching a movie? Latency between you and the idea that the author is trying to tell you uh, sh- show you well i guess you have more time to and i'm cook, and i, and I like, use the word latency in relationship to like a computer you know the, the, you, mm-hmm. you measure latency in like milliseconds and if your game is i laggy, got stuck with that word. yeah, yeah, oh, what? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i was gonna say you probably have to clarify that sorry. so like in a game if you have a high latency that means your game's probably lagging because there's a mm. huge uh, yes. time delay mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. when you click the button and when something happens on the screen. And I'm curious um, if if reading and watching movies is just a different experience altogether or watching movies is a more efficient way of uh, digesting people's ideas. So I have an example that I'd like to share of uh, movie watching that it wasn't... The movie, and this is uh, Dr. Zhivago, when I watched it the first time, I thought, what a beautiful love story. Mm. Uh, And this was before I was married. And then I watched it after I was married, and I was expecting my first child at the time. And the main character in this movie, uh, he is the husband of a woman who is expecting their first child. My attitude towards that movie was so different the second time I saw it. I thought, yeah. what the heck? You know, you're married and your wife is expecting a child and now you're falling in love with this other woman. What the heck did your wife do? I mean, you know, <laughs> so, so I don't know if that's latency or if it's, you know. Um, well, I mean, I guess if you if you read that instead of watched it, yeah. would that have changed? Would that have- uh, I think the the story changes depending on where you are in your life, and at least for me that was a change. Mm. Um, there are books that I I read, you know, when I was younger that I would never touch again because I'd think what a waste of time. Why did I waste, <laughs> you know, the whole summer reading Gone with the Wind? And I know that sometimes Ooh. will sound blasphemous yeah. to people, <laughs> but it was, you know, I was depressed, I was homesick, and I read spent the whole summer reading that book. Mm. I don't know what I. I took away from it now I look at the main character and I'm thinking gosh she's so irritating why, why did I invest that time in it um, so I think as a reader or as a someone who watches movies you your reaction to a movie and a book can change as you go on through, mm. you know as you move on to life there are some that you will always say this was the best you know, Piera Maintains is a book that I've listened to and read, and I love it every time I listen to it. I also um, feel yeah. like since there's, well, unless you read the book in one sitting, since you have more breaks I in between yes. readings, mm. like you're able to digest and see the character's oh. motives versus in a movie it's happening so much faster like you're Maybe only judging the person on the last thing they've done i could argue that i am not that focused and i keep changing my mind i mean that mm. that's just me <laughs> is that when you're reading or when you're watching or both it could be well usually while i'm watching it if i'm enjoying something like the movie i was watching last night i thought this is a slow movie but i'm enjoying the visuals and i'm enjoying mm. the concept and then when i got to discuss it the next morning uh you know with two different people I got to relish it a bit more than mm. I was when I was actually watching it. So and what movie was that? This was the the Gate to oh, Eternity. Oh, that one. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. Michael says books are better. Harry Potter versus <laughs> Voldemort in the movies was no good. <laughs> I I guess I we never I don't read get the Harry Potter. I don't get the context. He says Harry Potter versus Voldemort in the movies was no good. Maybe the oh, better. The, the, oh, the oh, gotcha. The, now I understand. Movie adaptation was worse. I see. Interesting. We never read the. You were going to read it to us. <laughs> and then, I, and I then we got bored. You know, <laughs> actually, yeah. the three of us watched the first movie when it came out together. I, did I, we? Yeah, we did. Oh, I remember yeah. that. 
I, wonder I, I remember our, our dads went to go play golf in the morning. It was a Saturday. And then they came back and they're like, we got you guys tickets for Harry Potter. Huh. <laughs> what, did we like it a lot? <laughs> I just think I our dads remember. thought they were being cool dads. Oh, okay. We're going to take our sons to Harry Potter. <laughs> did you ever read like Daddy Potter? Potter? I have not read Harry Potter. Oh, my really? goodness. Oh. All of us. No, and I, I, say, I don't say really like, wow, you haven't read it. I, I For some reason, I just thought like I thought you, you definitely had yeah. Harry Potter <laughs> yeah. books. I've read the first. Okay. I, I, oh, okay. Because they I'm were not... living with the guilt of not never having read a Harry Potter. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of books I haven't read. <laughs> I was watching too many Bollywood movies. In okay. Is that the most read series? It Harry probably Potter? is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Too mainstream for us. <laughs> <laughs> we like indie books that only a thousand people that have read. <laughs> <laughs> and there isn't one out there yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> We'll write it. (laughs) So I'm curious what uh, motivates people to read. So I have been, I mean, I'm a terrible reader in that I don't read books. Um, But when I, the things I do read are like software documentation. So like how to use a programming language and how to use different functions. And my, 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 what would you say? My intention. No, what's the, when you want something. Um, motivation yeah motivation (laughs) my motivation for reading reading these documentations is to be able to do something in the programming language do you guys have some sort of motivation when you read a book um and and what do you why do you think other people just don't have it like i don't i I don't care to read books like for fun um if there's a purpose to it if i'm going to solve something i can read Mm -hmm. manuals but that's that's like the extent of my reading career I really like just people watching, and I feel like reading is a very non-awkward and non-creepy way to. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> I, I really like stories. I do that on YouTube, stories. I guess. So I, I there you go. creep on YouTube. So. There you go. Um, no, I just like human stories and seeing what humans are capable of doing and mm. the range of emotions they're capable of expressing and. For me, there's a level of escapism as well. And I keep reminding myself, my life is a good life, but I still like to escape. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, at various stages, I mean, I I will read uh, books of different places or or just lifestyles. I think, oh, my goodness, people live like that. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. I wish I would take those risks, but then I don't really want to because I'm too lazy (laughs) to take those risks. Living vicariously. Yes, yes, yes. It's a lot of it is living vicariously and thinking and same thing, you know, people watching, but thinking, "Mm, okay, you know, you can do it that way. Also, um, sometimes, and now I found this all mainly with Audible the way people use language can be give you so much pleasure it's a bit like poetry reading as well and you think oh, you put those words together in that way uh and i'll never be able to do that and that's fine because i'm not aspiring to but um it's the language also which fascinates now i also enjoy uh books with um pictures Mm. and uh, one book that I really enjoyed that my father gave me and um, it's called it was a Russian fairy tale story Vasilisa the Beautiful mm. and the artwork in that book was so beautiful um, and I wish I had not misplaced the book so now I my my goal in life is to find a similar green cloth covered book of russian fairy tales with vasilisa the beautiful and baba this is an english it's an english translation of russian fairy tales a classic russian Mm -hmm. fairy tales but the artwork was so beautiful so um so those are the three reasons um why i like reading why i like reading (laughs) yes it could be a three paragraph academic essay if you needed it to be (laughs) you also have to have a good imagination i feel like if you're trying to yeah, I think that's something picture. I struggle with yeah. is like reading words and like picturing them in my head. I don't do that, and it. <laughs> I don't know if I missed out on that gr- growth. <laughs> like you read the words literally, but you never. Like I'm one like of those guys with like you read it and then like I have to read it again because I have no idea what. I read. <laughs> that might mean you're reading the wrong stuff. <laughs> Maybe there are so many different types of books out there. Um, that's and, true. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Could be. What about you, Daniel? What's your... Uh, yeah, I was actually thinking, I, I haven't... The only reason I started like going in back into books was because of the audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Um, a, and I guess, a... yeah, I kind of struggled with the same thing of like being able to paint the picture, but I guess in high school I was 
kind of or I was interested in reading mm-hmm. um, like you used to read those books about the treetop the way they go in the past or something what was that the series Hardy Boys oh <laughs> yeah there was yeah there was the uh, used to read Captain Underpants yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe that what, explains the, my the fl- lack of growth <laughs> the fliparama yeah, wait which that. one remember in Captain Underpants oh they have the little, like little comic thing flipping thing at the end where it's like it makes a, a little picture yeah like animation uh, yeah I forgot what that was there's yeah. like some treehouse series Has I used to read those scary books. Goosebumps? Oh, Goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. I also like those choose your own adventure type of. Oh, okay. Did you ever see. um, Mindbender? I did watch that. We didn't like it. Well, I I didn't like it because there's this game called uh, Detroit Become Human, which is essentially. It's a video game, but it's, it's the same idea where, like, you. Uh, you move around, but you get to choose your how you react to other people. Mm. So it gives you options, and then it kind of all plays out. So that just had way more depth than than this. So yeah. that's why I didn't like. It's it. like I'm an sure. animated movie almost that you can choose how, yeah. and they actually makes or like any choice you make actually makes a big difference. Where I feel like mm. in what was it, Mindbender? What was the it called? Uh, ba- Banter Snatch. Banter Snatch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there was. Very... One plot that always happened when no matter what you made the choice, which is the dad. Or if you made a choice, or... you'd have to like go back and like do do it go, over. Keep going yeah. until Either you get right the right one. Or you... right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would assume it's the first of its kind. I'm sure they'll make other one that would be better. That's, That's true. true. But yeah. It's, yeah, it was unique. It's a good way unique. to experiment. What yeah. do you think yeah. of graphic novels? Do you any of you did you? Because some people who Ooh, read like graphic Asterix. novels, Asterix yeah. and Oblix. Remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and Tintin. Tintin. <laughs> it's really fun you asked that. When I was teaching uh, English in Pakistan for two years, mm-hmm. uh, there was a strong push towards having graphic novels, mm-hmm. and I was very much against it. Why? A strong Ch- push Ch- by the students? Or? No, by the other teachers and oh. the heads of the school, and I was very much against it. Why? Mm. Um, because I think that they could be a great complement to novels. Mm-hmm. Um, and even when I say complement, I don't think like 50 50 i think maybe like 70 30 mm-hmm. uh, and i think the school was trying to push for more of like a 30 70 flip yeah, flip where we do like 70 percent graphic mm-hmm. novels and mm. maybe just 30 percent other stuff um so i was very much opposed to that i don't know i just i just think i think in in formative years it's important to um appreciate uh the act of reading a novel mm-hmm. and um and, you know the different types of novels you know you have your classics you might find those boring but then you might have contemporary books you might mm-hmm. those might mm-hmm. resonate with you more um and then graphic novels i just i just don't find them educational mm-hmm. what about the iranian one that you assigned persepolis, persepolis. persepolis. Yeah. you yeah. didn't like that one that one i thought was better than okay. some of the other ones i've seen but again i so i actually think like Persepolis or other graphic novels would mm-hmm. work in terms of teaching. Mm-hmm. I think they would work excellently as a complement of something. So first you read a novel, maybe like a war novel or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you get the students to analyze that and everything, and then you complement it with a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Doing a graphic novel instead of a novel, that I was very much against. Uh, okay. So what do you think will be... So novels are fairly new in human history. And I always like thinking of, you know, 200 years ago, Hmm. people didn't used to read novels, okay? And in fact, women were told not to read novels because it would turn their, kind of make them think, make them think. (laughs) Period. (laughs) Period. (laughs) I think if, if... What do you think will happen 200 years from now? That's a good question. It'll be some sort of like, uh, obviously I'm going to go straight to technology. It's going to be some sort of like uh, sensor where you can, I don't know, picture it in your head instantly? (laughs) I think to answer that, it would be important to first ask, what are the benefits of reading novels then? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think the question would be, what are some other ways using technology or other elements of the modern world that we can still instill those benefits just through a different medium? Is this something um, that... Munim has a question here. Oh, Munim agrees, or Munim says, agree, graphic novels leave less to your imagination. That's true. Okay. Interesting. Um, the artwork doesn't uh, engage. paint a picture. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, well as in, like, usually your imagination, you create yourself. Yeah. If oh, there's okay. less words, I actually completely agree with what you said. Uh, mm. The use of language has always been something that inspires me. I think a perfect example of that 
coming full circle would mm -hmm. be perfect prayer mm -hmm. um so i mean yeah graphic novels you can't appreciate the use of words There's, you can analyze the artwork but then maybe i'm just very very traditional in this way as an english teacher do you really want to emphasize having your students appreciate artwork that's yeah, true. Um, it's a different class. Yeah, it's a different class. Yeah, yeah. do graphic novels in your own class. <laughs> so, so that's another question I have. The way we have a, a public, with the way we have all our educational systems, we so separate all of the different skills. Hmm. What is the benefit of that? And that also is a hundred year new uh, of how we learn with different you know now you're going to study math now you're going to study english mm. now you're going to study biology and yeah. and never the twain shall meet or you know or it won't unless you go to a more progressive institution where yeah all of these skills European, are Scandinavian yes yes i think that um and I, I mean we're none of us are like psychologists or have studied this but oh we can pretend yeah we can pretend <laughs> yourself <laughs> our viewers i took one viewers. psychology course and if you everyone can emphasize already, we are not professionals. <laughs> I'm not saying the current education system is anywhere near perfect, but then I think when people do make that argument, they're not shining light on what's happening behind the scenes. So even when you have like a separate class for math and a separate class for English and science or whatever, you are, hopefully, if your teacher's good and the school's good, mm -hmm. um, you are having the students learn certain critical thinking skills, certain soft skills, communication skills, analytical skills, um, which you know they're they're not very much in the foreground it's it's hard to test that with the kind of written tests that we give our students mm -hmm. um but then yeah does everything have to be so categorized where like here's a 15 minute math lesson and a 15 minute english lesson i think that's just more for organizational logistics yeah. even the testing part and you can you know argue that i feel that um testing does not necessarily measure learning hmm. Hmm. i agree completely yeah the kind of tests that we have currently yes and why do we need to test people if you've learned something are we are we learn what is the reason for the test is it to to give you more opportunity to learn more or is it to tell you oh you it's to prove you're paying attention <laughs> <laughs> or you haven't learned enough and therefore we won't let you move on. I think we have this like filter system, right? Where at the very top, every student is just a drop. And then where you come down into this filter, we're like, okay, you scored X percent on this test, so you can come down this path. And you scored like 70%, so you're going to go down that path. And um, not that I agree with this at all. I think that's just that's, maybe organically yeah, or naturally yeah. the way it's happened. Um, but then it's it's, it's the very test. intentionally happened yeah. to yeah. to continue. Oh, at least that's what I think. Right, right. In my continue. humble opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I also agree that like I feel like in English class you learn more of the creative thinking skills of being able to read something and then every one in the class has their own opinion on the matter and you know they debate ideas, which yeah. I feel like would translate well in uh, you know pretty much any job or um, any scenario where you're not seeing the perspective of someone You had else. a good English teacher. Who was, who? I don't know. I don't or, know whether you Or did. you had a good oh. mother who was... Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think you did have a good English yeah. teacher. A great uh, English teacher. Miss Camara. Yeah. yeah, she was good. Yeah, I guess the problem with tests is... Well, the good thing yeah. is it's, it's a performance metric. The problem is it's a very... It can be a very narrow one. So mm -hmm. just because people are measuring high on your test you might be missing a whole array of, uh, you know, And we see plenty value. of people with college degrees and you think, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, and people who don't have, have le higher level of education, yeah. who, who perf whose performance is very different. But on a positive note, I feel the internet has helped uh, those who maybe Democratize. have not performed well in the traditional educational system you can now, there's a wealth of information on all the different types of subjects you're interested in, and you can go online, understand them, and then at least digitally uh, add value in some sort of way and help you. True. Uh, Hassan, will you come back to teaching at any point in your life? I would really like to. Mm -hmm. um, I think the need of the hour now is to be in something that pays more. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, uh, <laughs> I really, really enjoy teaching, especially teaching English was, was a great mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. I had a question since we have two English 
people teachers teachers one former one yeah um do you think that sometimes an english class will over interpret uh, author's intentions or over interpret something because i feel like online there's always the meme of like yes, oh it's yes. like a rock no the rock means something bigger <laughs> yes, than what yes. you're seeing well do you think that I, that's a problem or do you think a, that's kind of like what well, teaches a, a uh i think the the idea <laughs> that anything can be a trigger for other ideas and bring mm. about other ideas is good mm-hmm. um you know they, it's not i don't think there's a you can't say this is right it's very difficult in an english class to say anything is absolutely wrong mm. mm-hmm. uh because how do you know what the author is thinking right. if you're talking about the interpretation right right but you can I mean, connect think, yeah i mean i think that how else would you teach students this concept of like surface level thinking versus like hidden meaning or mm. there might be layers to things or maybe you could look at things from a different perspective or um you know like this might make sense the way you're looking at it but if somebody else views it he or she would view it differently and why is that right um so i mean even even the rock or even just this concept of metaphors um And yeah, I think I think it's a great way to broaden the mind of a student. I mean, they might just be like, "Oh, that's a rock." Mm-hmm. And then as an English teacher, um you might get them to think, "Well, maybe there's a hidden meaning behind the rock. Maybe the rock symbolizes something else." And if you can portray that idea well, mm-hmm. then the student leaves learning like, "Okay, well, like on the surface it seems like a rock, but I never thought that it could symbolize something different else different type of rock <laughs> a different type of rock or even even the fact that it's like raining outside you know like yeah. you read that in a book and you're like oh it was it was a cloudy rainy day and they're like okay cool the weather was you know it was raining they couldn't go outside and play but then as an english teacher you could be like hey what else does that symbolize maybe it's foreshadowing that something bad is going to happen or it's a sad so just many layers and if layers. it's monsoon it's romance right exactly <laughs> especially in south asia yes <laughs> i guess in all the other courses it's almost all literal like i can't think of any other course where yeah. there are those kind of well i i hear now in in certain areas there is a deeper understanding for example in history political science and the social sciences looking at the uh cultural connection and why you're studying certain things even in the hard sciences people are looking at gender uh and you know perspectives that have not been included because funding for research has not been provided so mm-hmm. the more advanced and more progressive instructors are looking at the nuances even with math education mm-hmm. you know why is one way of interpreting and i don't know the details of but i do know that it the way those concepts and that's why people are moving also moving towards teaching statistics as well um to be able to get the nuance of the knowledge rather than saying everything is very literal mm-hmm. that the knowledge creation is based on the societal expectation and priorities and if the society did not prioritize something or they left people out why did that happen so the politics of education basically mm. um and i'm rambling on yeah. here so well i guess it's you not get to question yeah <laughs> it's a ramble. just uh, yeah. it's a boring ramble <laughs> it's a rant <laughs> yeah. yeah well off that ramble we've gone over an hour now so oh, all right time to leave <laughs> <laughs> so is if our viewers want to reach you is there any way they can reach you online or you, they'll just have to website? any uh, anything you want to plug You don't, have to, really. you don't have to. You don't have to. I'm on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Catch us on Facebook. If you'd like to plug World Peace. Oh uh, yes. yeah, World Peace is a great thing. Okay, well, uh thank you for tuning in and uh until next time, talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you.